If you've got your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray this morning. Bear with me this morning. Fighting the allergies, but uh, we God's going to get the glory. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you. God, we welcome your presence in this place. God, we invite, oh Lord, just the Holy Spirit to be here. Lord, I pray over the next few moments, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to understand, our feet to go from this place, changed, transformed, uh, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, oh God, to be history makers, uh, Lord, culture changers. God, I pray that you would ignite a fire in Gina, Louisiana, and the people who call this place home, Lord, to be the church. God, to see lives transformed by the power of the gospel. Lord, to see uh, signs and wonders follow those who believe, O oh God. We believe, Lord, that this is the last days, that you're coming soon. And, Lord, we want to be the bride, ready and prepared, O oh God, that we would be focused on you, zoomed in on you, and everything else cut out, Lord, but what is truly, eternally important. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. We read this morning Isaiah fifty-one eleven, where it says, the prophet says, so the ransom of the Lord will return. That is that we are raptured up and come back down and will come with joyful shouting to Zion and everlasting joy will be upon their heads. And uh, I've been thinking about this this last couple of weeks. And I believe two weeks ago, God gave me a word and I held it. Uh, and I believe it's for today for us. And how many know they've been promised everlasting joy forever, everlasting joy. Joy. I can't even really imagine everlasting joy. You know, happiness comes and goes, uh, but joy is that thing that keeps steadfast. It's not an emotion that you're not you're not joyful one day and not joyful the next. Joy, in the sense of God, is an eternal place of being. It's a, a steadfastness built on His character, and it's not happiness. But uh, think about just for a little bit. I was uh, going through this week, man. If you turn on the news, you just quickly get depressed, uh, no doubt. But how do you really rejoice in times like these? That's my question this morning. How do you rejoice in times like these? You think about things like when life is speeding by, man, they're putting out technology every day that I don't understand. Uh, you think about teenage rebellion in our country rising. You think about our leaders that have no biblical worldview or morals in our country. You think about there's no longer any fear of God in the land. You think about the no reverence for marriage, the millions of babies that were killed legally. You think about substance abuse, sexual immorality, adultery, and divorce as they run rampant in our streets in our country. You think about the political division, the racial violence, the extreme lawlessness that's rising at an uh, exponential rate. You think about the extreme weather patterns. It's flooding in one part of our country, burning in the other, drought here, uh, snowing in, in different parts. It just, it's an unreal. You think about the economic fear and and that today working 40 hours is no longer enough to provide for your family. And not to mention all of that on top of just being a normal married person or a normal single person who's trying to raise kids or, or whatever. Then you deal with your own uh, economic issues, your own uh, relational issues, your own sickness and health and death in our families. And anybody else depressed yet? Welcome to Sanctuary. Good news, okay? You think about all of that, though. I think about all of those things, and just this week I'm thinking, God, how can I pastor in a day like today? What can we do? How, 
Lord, I can't fix their problems. I can't fix his problems or her problems. God, I don't have anything to really offer. I can't go into your life, rearrange the way you think. I can't go into your finances and, and fix your finances. I can't go into your children. Lord knows nobody can fix your kids. You know, like uh, all these things can't fix our country. You know, it's not a single vote for sure this year is not going to fix our country. We need a Lord, a King, a Savior, a Jesus. And I think today we need to be reminded of some good news. We need to be reminded of some good news. We need something good to focus on. Something that light ups, lights up this dark world that brings order to chaos. Shines joy through clouds of depression. Showers wealth on poverty. Fills our weakness with power. Gives hope and loneliness. Praise and persecution and a shout of victory when the world tries to silence us. I can focus on Jesus this morning. Amen? We're going to focus on Jesus this morning. I think too long the church, we've been wrapped up in tangible things. We've forgotten spiritual things. I think too long we've put on an earthly mindset and we've forgotten to get the perspective of heaven, that heavenly mindset. And so today we're going to get some things in focus and realize there is nothing in this world that can give you joy. There is nothing in this world that can give you and I everlasting joy. We're going to focus on Jesus today. You know, sometimes, uh, give you an example today before we even get going. Uh, my parents bought my wife a nice camera so they could have good pictures of their grandbaby. So that was nice of them. And so we got the benefit of it. But sometimes, you know, today everybody has a phone, everybody has a camera. Uh, everybody's a professional photographer because these things have something called autofocus. Anybody familiar with autofocus? I'm just going to take your picture today. You know, there we go. Aren't you pretty? Look at there. Look at this beautiful people. But you know, they have autofocus, and there's a zoom on this camera right here. There we go. This is, this is my record in case anybody's sleeping before the church even begins, right? And this is my, you know what? This is the first time ever I can say, look, I can have proof of who was here. Right. Okay, so these things have autofocus. One of the problems is, show me that picture up there, guys. Here's one of the pictures, the problems with autofocus. If you have an iPhone, you know, you push this little button, a little square comes up, and you tell it what you want it to focus on. But in, in autofocus, there's some things like this camera right now. I'm not doing it. I'm just pushing a button, and it looks like awesome. Sometimes there's a blurry foreground when you want it to be a sharp, or a sharp foreground or a blurry background when you want the background to be blurry. Like this great picture. I don't know who this guy is on the screen. Um, but, uh, you know, autofocus. I think sometimes our lives, though, are autofocused on the wrong things. And sometimes we have to kind of hit a reset, uh, uh, push the button, and to get it focused back to where it should be. Uh, and I think about this today. Sometimes we have to edit our pictures. Sometimes we've got to zoom in on what's most important. When you have your family photos at Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter, sometimes when you go to Walgreens or Walmart, you've got to kind of crop it in and you get focused in, you get zoomed in. You're like, oh, I didn't want that big old picture. I just want this part of it, right? And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, zooming in cropping out the rest and getting focused on the right things. And I'm just kind of give you a little, I don't know how many of you uh, today in your technology understand this, but look with me in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, because I believe the Lord has a word for us this morning about zooming in, cropping out the peripheral, and then getting focused on what God has in store for us in the great chaos of this world today. 
I'm going to read this this morning, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. I'm going to read through the New American uh, today. But whatever things were gained to me, the Apostle Paul says. Now, he's writing this in prison, by the way. He's been uh, arrested uh, for preaching the gospel. He is uh, probably chained or in a room with a soldier. He's under house arrest. And he is writing this from prison, so that makes a difference. But he says, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of their surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. I count them all but rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith and that I may know him. And in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, even being conformed to his death in order that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now, not that I've already attained it nor have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may laid hold for that which I was also laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do I forget what lies behind and I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. If that's not a powerful passage, I don't know what is. A guy in prison, in jail, no doubt, no thinking he's about to be headed soon. He's saying, guys, I count everything else as loss. I'm pressing forward. And he's, what he's saying is I'm zooming in on Jesus Christ. I'm cutting out everything on that secondary, all the peripheral things in my life. And I am focused on what God is calling me to do and that he is coming soon to bring his glory back into this earth. God is coming soon to ransom those uh, who have given them his heart, their hearts. And he's saying, I'm zoomed in on Jesus. Everything else is cropped out and his glory was coming into focus. Let's kind of break this down this morning. Zoomed, zoomed in this camera right here has a zoom. We even have another lens. If I really don't want to get really zoomed in on it, I'll put this extra long lens on and I can get some nose hairs in this place. You know, I'm not going to do that this morning, but uh, zoomed in on Christ. Paul says, I'm, I'm zooming in. If we were putting in this, this uh, vernacular today, what are you zoomed in on in your life? You know, I think there's a lot of things uh, we zoom in on. So many people are so narrowly focused, I think, with their time uh, their talents, their treasures, that we get so caught up in our hobbies and our, our works, our careers, sometimes even our families, uh, that we, don't, we, we miss out on this big eternal perspective that God has about the universe. This big eternal plan that God wrote from Genesis chapter 1 to the end of Revelation, that God has something He's about and He's doing. And if I'm not careful, I'll get focused on my yard, on my, my potted plants, on my garden, uh, you know, on my... And then that's not, all these things are not bad in themselves. My family, my cars, all these issues, the world events, the current events, and get focused on all this. And I forget we are a part of a great universal story that the angels in heaven are watching right now. How many know that you're part of something bigger than just your life? You're part of something bigger than just living the 70 or so years you're about to be on this earth. And I think about Solomon in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. Solomon, who had this great wealth, and he's, he was about to pass this wealth on to his young son. And in doing so, he tells his son, he says, Don't worry about, don't weary yourself with this wealth. For when you set your eyes on it, it will fly away. 
Proverbs 23, 5. But he says, instead, focus on the wisdom of God. In Proverbs 4, 25, he says, let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you and watch the path of your feet for all your ways will then be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. You know what he was telling him? He's saying, son, I've worked my whole life and, I, and I've got wealth more than any person. He's Solomon's richest, wisest man that ever lived. I've got more wealth, more stuff than this whole world ever could ever imagine. Done great things for God. And he says, you're about to get all this. And he says, don't worry about any of it. Don't focus or gain or fix your eyes on any of it. He says, I want you to zoom in on the things that are truly important. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. Zoom in on the things that come from God. Zoom in on that at the source of all that I have is that God gave me wisdom. And so he tells his son, zoom in on the source. Zoom in on what's really important. And for Paul today in Philippians chapter 3, I think we could say he's calling us to zoom in on who Christ is. What is your eyes set on today? As a young person in their 20-somethings, you know, even I'm, I'm 31 today, or not today, but, you know, I'm 31 this year. You know, as a younger, when we're younger, we really have, i got these goals, i got these dreams, i got these ambitions. When you're high school, you're like, I want to do this, I want to go to this college, I want to do that. When you're older, those kind of things change, but you're still zoomed in on something. You're still zoomed in on your grandkids or your kids, you're zoomed in on uh, the, uh, your hobbies or whatever it might be. What are our eyes so fixed on today? And I wonder if the reason we're not happy, the reason that we feel depressed, the reason we feel overwhelmed, the reason we're filled with anxiety or fear or worry is because we're not zoomed in on who Jesus Christ really, really is. Because when you get a picture, when you capture the image of who He is and what He's done for you, all that fear fades away. All that worry, all those plans really don't matter so much anymore. When you get closer and zoom in on Christ. Give me an example about zooming in on who he is. Paul says, look in Philippians 3, 8, right where you are. He's saying, I'm zoomed in on the infinite value. New Living Translation says the infinite value of just knowing Jesus Christ. He wanted to gain and to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Even to suffer and die with him. I got to get this this morning. Here's this apostle who preached the gospel, raised the dead, healed the sick, uh, who was shipwrecked, who snake-bitten, threw the snake off in the fire, preaching the gospel, and in prison for preaching the gospel, about to be a martyr in a few years. And he is saying his number one desire is just to know Christ. And wouldn't you just look at that guy and say, dude, I think you know him already, don't you? I mean, wouldn't you say to Paul, like, Paul, your relationship with Christ has got to be better than mine or closer. I mean, how many of us have been stake bitten and threw the snake off in the fire and just said, I'm not going to worry about going to the Solid General Hospital, right? Uh, or, or raise the dead. I mean, think about it. How many of us have been stoned for preaching the gospel? And this guy says, I am going to zoom in. I just got to know him more. I just, if I can do anything just to gain him, how passive am I in my relationship with Christ? In your relationship with Christ this morning, take a self-inventory. Is there this, this ardent desire that, that you're just like, man, I'm waking up in the morning, I just want to know Him. I go through my life, I go, go through work, I just can't wait to pray. I just, 
I just want to read His Word. I just want to uh, touch the throne room of heaven. When I come into worship, I'm just dying to get to heaven. I'm just dying to, to press in. That's the kind of relationship Paul had. He said that I may know Him. Even if I'm going to die, let me die with Him. If I'm going to suffer, let me suffer with Him. That I may gain Him. Paul sees Christ as the object of his joy. Christ becomes for him the person he's completely concentrated on. He's the the whole purpose in life is just to know him. Man, that we just would just have a revelation that Jesus is just that awesome. He's not just some dude that died on a cross that we go to church about every week. Not some guy that can write a good slogan on our t-shirt or our bumper stickers or or you know, even even someone that you just say, I'm gonna be obedient because he's gonna put me in hell. No. He is so wonderfully glorious that we would just get a revelation of His majesty, of His awe, and what He's done for us. Zoom in on not just who He is, there's the who He is, that He is the God of our salvation, our Redeemer, our friend, that He's God and He's King, He rules the world, and no matter what you see today on the news, Jesus Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. That's who He is. But what He's done, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 tells us a little bit about this in the God's Word translation. I don't use very often, but it, it sets right this morning. It says, the author of Hebrews wrote, We must focus, focus on Jesus. He is the source and the goal of our faith. He saw the joy ahead of Him, and so He endured death on the cross, ignored the disgrace of it that brought Him, and He received the highest position in heaven to the one next on the throne. Think about Jesus who endured all this opposition from sinners so you won't grow tired and give up. Focus on Jesus. I I love that that how he wrote, uh, how the God's Word uh, translation says that. Are we zoomed in on Jesus? You know, you can be wrapped up today in all kinds of hurts and pasts and things in your failures in your past. You can be... uh, You can wrap yourself up and zoom in and and focus your life on those negative things. You can focus on judging others. You can focus on uh, past hurts and uh, trauma in your life. You can focus on, oh, what would have happened or could have happened or should have happened or he should have or she should have or he did or she did. You can focus on all those things and wrap yourself up on that or you can choose to let all that pass away and zoom in on Jesus Christ. And you can just, just say, God, I just want to know you. God, I want, to get, I want to get my life wrapped around you. You know, when a photographer zooms in, if I was here today and I'm going to take a wide-angle shot, let's say I want to take a picture of just, you know, Clinton Brandy here, I would use this lens and I would zoom in to capture the image I desire. I think so many times our Christian lives are without focus, without zoom. We're just like, oh, God, I'm a Christian. But we're really not zoomed in on the one that makes life so much better. It's like, oh yes, I go to church. Oh yes, I'm a Christian. Oh yes, I know these things. But if we would just take that wide-angle shot and say, I'm zoomed in on who Jesus is. I'm zoomed in on what He's done for us. And my life has got a point now. And it's about getting up close and capturing Christ. Paul told Timothy before he died, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, he said, this is the reason, Timothy, we labor and we strive so hard in this life The reason we do everything we've done because he says, I've fixed my hope on the living God. Does your life have a point today? He's just another sermon, another words. Oh, yes, pastor, I know Jesus. 
man, do you really? You know, a lot of people know him. Demons know him and tremble. But do you really, really have your life zoomed in on Christ? Be honest this morning. Just be honest with yourself. Man, is, is God, are you really my focus? Are you really the thing that I'm longing for, searching for? Because I'll be honest, if, if he's not, why do you want to go to heaven? Because that's what it's going to be all about, him. Because the next thing, you won't, if you don't get the zoom part, you won't get the crop part. And the next thing is, not only are we trying to capture an image of Jesus that we may know him in our life, but we crop out everything else. Let's talk about cropping things. We're zoomed in. So now we need to crop some things out of our life. You know, cropping in photography is when you take a photo in uh, like this square here. We would trim out everything else on the screen. You, uh, you can do this on your iPhones. You can do this on your computer. Uh, those of you who have a Polaroid camera or something, you get scissors and then you cut out, you know, what you don't want. Somebody in your family you disown, you cut that picture, you know, put, cut that person out. That's cropping, right? We cut those photos out. But how does that work with Christ? We're, we're cropping things out. You know, to zoom in is to get this revelation of Jesus Christ, right? It's to draw close to him. I'm going to capture him. I'm zooming in with my life on Christ. But to crop is to put everything out. It's to crucify the rest, to circumcise the rest, to cut away what lo- no longer matters and what hinders us. It's those things on the peripheral of your life. Those things that are on the right and the left, things to the side that may not be bad, may not be uh, good. I mean, they may be good, they may be bad, but everything else I'm, I'm honing in. But one of the things I want you to know, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, in the New Living, he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. He says, for this sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could just gain Christ and become one with him. Paul's not only willing to put aside all these fleshly desires, you know, lying, stealing, cheating, all that kind of Ten Commandments stuff. Paul had the best reputation of any Pharisee, went to the best Ph.D. Pharisee school you could. Uh, He had a great reputation uh, from a family of of Pharisees. And Pharisee was not a bad word in Paul's day. Uh, Most people thought the Pharisees were the elite of the elite, the people who knew the Bible, that prayed, that fasted. They were the leaders of the Jewish faith. And so Paul had all that. He says, you know what? My reputation, my pedigree, all the good works of religion, all the charities I've given to, all the sermons I've preached, all that stuff is rubbish when I zoom in on who He is, when I zoom in on what He's done for me. Everything else just kind of goes to the wayside. You know, those are not bad things. There are a lot of good things in our life. You know, guys, when you zoom in on Christ, you know, deer hunting really doesn't really matter anymore. I love to deer hunt. I love to turkey hunt. You know, I love to be outside, love to ride my ATV. But when I zoom in on Christ, and if any of those things came between me and Jesus, those things, not even a second thought. It doesn't matter what it is. God's blessed me with many things. If there was anything that got in the way between me getting just closer to God, man, it just, it just passes away. Here's one of the things, though, you have to be careful with. When Paul zooms in on Christ, he's willing to crop off the bad and the good, things that don't measure up. But cropping is not religious. Let me give you an example. Some people will come to you today, even in this, this, this area, and, and they're going to tell you things you should do and should not do. And there are, there are things in the Bible, there are clear lists of things we should do and should not do. But what happens is if you try to crop things out of your life, 
without the Spirit of God, without focusing on Jesus, that's just going to be a religion. That's not going to produce a heart change just by getting rid of uh, drinking and smoking and cussing and rated our movies and all that. You can get rid of all that you want and still be messed up on the inside. Because religion's not going to fix what's wrong right here, right? There's a lot of things we can cry. And those are good things to cry. Let me tell you what. It's probably good not to watch too much TV today. There's nothing good on there anyway. If there's probably movies we shouldn't watch and things we shouldn't say and things we shouldn't do, things we shouldn't drink and all kinds of things that we shouldn't do and do not do, right? But what happens, let me show you. When you begin to zoom in on a picture, right? What happens when I take that zoom lens or I take that iPhone and do this, for those of you techies, you know, the, the, the young people. You know, you do this or you zoom in. What happens? Everything else kind of falls away on its own, doesn't it? And the picture becomes a lot more narrowed and focused. And see, by focusing and zooming in on Christ, I automatically have cropped out everything else. Does that make sense? But if I try to just crop off the edges without zooming in, I'm just going to have a messed up picture, right? But you and I today... I'm not, I'm not, you've learned by now being your pastor, I'm not here to preach on all the don'ts. And there are some don'ts in the Bible we will for sure preach on, let me tell you. But my focus is, if I can get you to zoom in on Christ, you'll naturally cut out everything else. If you get your life focused on pleasing God and revelation of who He is and what He's done for you and how He's called you to Himself, you will naturally just begin to cut out everything else in your life that does not measure up to the fullness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Somebody with me this morning? Zoom in on Christ. Crop out everything else. We need to crucify our fleshly desires. There's there's a truth, though. That when you zoom in on Christ, you'll crop out what's unnecessary. There's bad things. Let me just tell you real quick. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. You shouldn't have to question. It tells us to crucify sexual sins and perversions and passions and lusts and greed and anger and hot tempers and hatred and cursing and obscene language and lies. But man, if we just begin to focus on Christ, we're even going to have to crop out some good things. We're going to have to crop out some things that... Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he tells the husbands and the wives, he says, hey, I know you're married. I know uh, married people, you've got to please your spouse. But he says, I want you to have as little distractions as possible. If you're married, act as if you're unmarried when it comes to Jesus. Uh, If you're single, go all in for God. He's trying to tell people, he's saying, I'm not putting religious laws on you, but I'm saying, I want you to focus in that nothing in your life is in the way of zooming in on Christ that you want to please Him, you want to get a picture, a revelation of who He is. Frame your life around the eternal today. Do you have your interests divided between earthly things and heavenly things? Even marriage and family can cause us to lose focus on Christ. But man, when it's more fulfilled, your marriage, your children will be more fulfilled, husbands, with you in church. When you pray, when you read your word. All those situations that you stress out about trying to provide for your family today, all of that will fade away when you get your life, husband, man of God, focused on Christ. You'll argue less. You'll stress less about money. Your kids will behave more when they see you focusing in on Christ. Wives, same to you. You'll know how to follow your husband. You'll know how to care for your kids when you build your life around the words of Christ and everything else in the peripheral just begins to cut away. You know, when I was, uh, Beth and I were dating, 
<clears throat> you know, every good photographer knows how to get the image they want. Beth and I were dating. Uh, actually, it was before we were dating. Uh, I was kind of talking to uh, kids. I don't. The lingo is different today, but we were just talking, literally, just on MSN Messenger, which doesn't exist today. Just talking, chatting. Okay. And we kind of liked each other. We didn't have. We nobody said anything. And so all of the youth group lines up outside the church, lines up, and we take a picture. I think it was spring something. And so all of our parents are out there. Oh, they're so cute. And take a picture, picture, picture. Okay. Well, my mom, being who she is, gets that photo, knowing that we kind of like each other. She really wanted us to date. And she crops out everybody else in the youth group, except for we happen to be standing, you know, next to each other, all the whole youth group. She crops out everybody else and just gives that to Beth. We're not even dating yet. You talk about embarrassing. Here's your mom giving you a, giving this girl a photo of you two in a little heart-shaped, no doubt, picture frame. <laughs> Needless to say, we dated later, so a couple months later. A good photographer knows how to capture the image they desire. Do you want to capture Jesus Christ? Do you know what you're longing for, you're desiring? Is everything else peripheral? Jim Elliott, great missionary who gave his life for the gospel. He's off the movie Into the Spear, if you've ever watched it. He's very famously quoted as saying this. He says, or he wrote this, He is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. Let me say it again. You will be no fool to give up what you cannot keep on this earth in order to gain what you'll never lose. It's easy. Just give it up. Give up the worry, the stress, all the anxiety of this world to gain the things you can never lose. What is no longer important when you zoom in on Christ? What brings you glory but doesn't bring Him any glory? How do you know if it's something you should give up? Does it bring God glory or just you? Does it bring Him glory? Does it please Him or does it just please you? There are good things in your life that please only you. And you have to be willing in those moments where He says, I want you to get closer to me. You know what? I might have you give up this good thing in order to gain me more. And am I willing to do that and say, you know, God... This thing in my life, it's not really a bad thing. It doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't hurt my family. But this thing, this idea, this understanding or this personality or whatever it is, he says, you know, I want you to give it up because I want you to gain me more. Do I desire to know him so much that as a good photographer, I know what's no longer important. I know what I want to be at the center, the focal point of my picture. And that's Jesus Christ. So I zoom in. And when I zoom in, I will naturally be cropping out everything else because I get an image on Christ. And the last thing is focus. Focus. You ever had that employee, or for me, it's a two-year-old girl that you're like, okay, focus, look right here, look, look at me, look right here. You know, you get those people in your life, you're just like, hey, let me have your attention. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Teachers, we do this. You know, teachers in the classroom used to do this. Everybody up here, any, anybody's teachers do this? In Missouri, this is the thing. I don't know what it means, peace symbol or something, but you raise your hand, everybody's like, oh, she's raising her hand. Everybody focus. You know, I don't know. But you have those people. You're like, hey, listen, listen. Focus right here. Just look at me. 
zooming in may give you that fire revival. He's like, man, I know who he is and I want to know him and, I, and I'm, I'm giving up my life for him and I'm zooming in. And cropping is that uh, helping me to be holy and inwardly and outwardly. God, I'm just ridding myself of this attitude. God, I'm ridding myself of these finances. God, I'm ridding myself of, of these ideas and these time, all the time I've spent doing this or that. God, I'm, I, because I just want to know you. And focusing is that place. If you can get to those three places, right? I want you to get, I want church to get you to a deeper place. So there's a lot of good Christians in the world. Let me just be honest. There are a lot of great Christians in the world, in this community that have zoomed in on Christ, that have cropped things out, that have their do's and don'ts right. But how many though have got to the place of focus? You know what focus is for me this morning? Focus is that place where everything becomes clear, where everything seems to make sense, where when trials and tribulation comes, my joy is steadfastly focused on Him. There's a place that you get to in walking with Jesus Christ. It doesn't no matter what comes your way, whether ups or downs, but it's just like, you know what? I get it. I get that song, Amazing Grace. I understand what it means now. I, I get that song that, that says the joy unspeakable, full of glory. I understand. I've experienced it. You know, I get why Jesus called me. God, I understand, Lord, that you allowed me to go through trials and tribulations to get me to this place. God, I get it. I trust you. And God, my focus, it, things have become clear now in my life. Of God, why you have me here and why you've done this to me and, and God, why you've allowed these things to happen because God, I've seen your, your peace, I've seen your patience, I've seen, Lord, your time and time again you've come through and God, all of my faith is in you. All, I get the big picture, God, I know that you're coming soon and God, I'm looking forward to it and God, I don't, I don't worry about those things anymore. Let me tell you today, I don't worry about finances anymore. Yeah, and you say, well, things are good for you. Yeah, they actually pretty are. But I put my focus on Christ. You know, there's even a, let me be honest, as a, as a pastor, this week we've had uh, three funerals and we're praying for those families. And there's been uh, other issues in, in our church that happen and, and many trials and tragedies, uh, tragedy, tragedies happen in people, you know, in the last couple of years. As a pastor, and you, you walk with people through these things, I often, let me be honest, I just often put myself in their shoes and think, God, man, if that happened to me, if I lost my child, if I lost my wife, if I, if I lost all my money, God, would I have right here what it takes to keep that joy, to keep on keeping on, to keep my focus on you? And I, I, I often check myself and think, and I put my mind through those situations and say, God, yeah, I'm ready, God. I'm not going back. I may fall. I may fail. But you know what? Heath Harris died long ago. He's dead. I'm not resurrecting some dead dude from the grave. I, I want to go forward, church. I'm tired of, 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 of seeing Christians come in and out of the church, and you're up and you're down. Man, there's a place where you can get in Christ where it is steadfast. No, you're not going to be perfect. No, it's not going to be a roses every day that you walk on and birds singing yippity doo da or whatever, you know, zippity doo da. You know, like, uh, it's not going to be all that. But there's a place you can get to when God becomes your focus, you crop everything out, the Holy Spirit becomes alive to you and you say, God, man, I see it now. Lord, all these years of studying your word, God, I get it. This is real. There's a real life beyond this one. There's a real eternal home. And you can get steadfast joy today when you know the value of Jesus. 
and his promises have become clear. Paul says in Philippians 3.12, he says, you know, I haven't achieved perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus paid for me on the cross to have. He says, I'm focused on forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I've reached the end of the race, and I'm looking for this heavenly prize God has and is calling me to. Man, are you focused on heaven's point of view today? I'm not worried about earthly treasures that lose their value. I'm focused on the spiritual treasures of heaven. That's knowing Christ. It's not about streets of gold, let me tell you. We sing a lot of songs about streets of gold. It's going to be awesome. But the biggest value is getting to know Jesus face to face. That's all it's all about. That's what it's all about, church. And it's things like that when you realize the value. You know, the value of heaven, while it's going to be awesome, is not about getting out of debt. It's not about having no more pain. Well, that is going to be wonderful. It's not about having physical uh, new bodies, and those are things that are great. It's not about all that. What it's really about And the reason Paul could endure trials, the reason he could endure loss, the reason he could endure hunger and thirst and pain and ridicule and poverty, the reason he could write this letter and still uh, in the middle of imprisonment and he could say rejoice is that he knew that he knew that he knew he would see Jesus. He would be with him forever. I wonder today, sometimes if we're not more concerned about all the things we're going to get in heaven rather than who we're going to get, right? It's going to be good to see our family. It's going to be good to see our friends. It's going to be good to get away from this crazy, chaotic world. But man, I wonder if I'm not in love with Jesus as much as I should be, right? Can be honest this morning? Man, is he someone that I just want to passionately pursue? Think about Mary and wiping his feet with that, you know, the, the tears and the box and the ointment, you know, and all these things like, Man, do I love God to the place where, man, all that He has for me just comes into focus. Everything makes sense. Nothing else matters anymore. It's like, ah, God, who cares if who gets the election? I don't matter. Who cares, God, if if we live or die? Because, God, I'm going to gain you. Man, who cares if I get sick? Who cares if I, I mean, it doesn't really matter in the scope of eternity, does it? As long as I make it, as long as we receive the prize, we win, church. Anybody here with me this morning? As long as you make it, as long as you put your faith in Jesus, you zoom in on Him, you're going to have everlasting joy upon your head. Everything taken care of, you're going to be with Jesus forever. Nothing, I mean, really, come on, all the things we care about. All the things we worry and struggle over and struggle with and we put our hands to build. One day it's all going to be over. It's going to be worth it to put Jesus first. Somebody say amen. And then, then when we get to that place, we can say with Paul in Philippians 4, 8, or 4, 4, he says, Church, I got to that place. I zoomed in cropped out the rest. Man, he, Jesus just came into focus. He's sitting in that jail cell, and he's just like, man, whew, God, you just came into focus. And he writes to his church, and he says this. I love it. 4.4, 4, Philippian. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Here's a man in prison about to die. 
telling you and I today to rejoice. And he says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Why? Because you zoomed in on him. He says, be anxious for nothing. All that other stuff. Put it away. But in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You can make every request known to God in the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, begins just to come over you, guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he says, now, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, good, repute, if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You hear that? He said, I got a picture of heaven. I got a picture of what waits for me beyond these shores. I got a picture of Jesus Christ and I zoomed in and I captured him. I laid hold of him. And my goal in life is just to get closer to him. And he says, I'm just focusing. I'm thinking on all these things that when I go through pain and suffering and trial and defeat and abandonment and loneliness and difficulty, he says, man, I can say rejoice. And the peace of God from heaven itself just begins just like oil, just to flow over my life. And I just tell other people too, rejoice. God is near. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come? Focus on the things that are above. Keep our minds on things that are above. Not these worldly things, but know that when Jesus Christ comes again, you and I will appear with Him in glory. Church, we've got to get focused on Jesus, like Hebrews says, so He won't grow tired and weary and give up. Some of us today have been growing tired and weary. You've been feeling like you're going to give up. Zoom in. It's kind of like a photographer who's wanting to compete in a competition who's going to get the prize. And it's that award-winning shot, that award-winning photographer, that award-winning image that he captures gets the prize. And today, you and I have the chance for an award-winning shot, an award-winning picture that if you can just capture Jesus with your life, If you can just zoom in on Him and you begin to crop out the other things in your life that don't really matter, that don't measure up, that don't don't align with who He is, and He begins to come into focus and all of His promises begin to come into focus and your life begins to make sense, your life begins to have a purpose, you get renewed by the Holy Spirit who comes within you, heaven comes into your life, and it's not about all the do's and the don'ts, it's not about all the haves and the have-nots, it just becomes this place where you say, God, I know you. I've got a personal relationship with the God of the universe who, who holds the, the heavens and the stars in His hand, who, who's made the earth with His spoken word, who's, who's brought my soul from the pit of death, who's filled me with the glory of heaven, the Spirit of God, who's going to resurrect me in the last day, who's going to give me everlasting joy on my head. What else is of any value What else matters, church? I want to capture the image of Jesus. I want to get my great reward up in heaven to know Him more. Father God, we welcome You in this place today.
invite your presence in this place. God, I pray your Holy Spirit speak words of life into each one of our hearts, God. It's not, it's not me, it's not my words, God. Lord, I pray that it not just be, Lord, an emotional thing, but God, I pray it's the Holy Spirit is working on every heart in this place here today. God, that we'd have a personal inventory. Number one, you're here today, and you need to zoom your life in on Jesus Christ. You've been focused on a lot of things. Your, your, your pursuits in life really don't follow Him. You've been trying to get that job. You've been trying to work hard. You've been trying to do this. You, you've been trying. You've been uh, searching. You've been pushing. You've been doing all that. But really, if you are honest here today, you say, I really haven't been narrowing my focus on Christ and pursuing Him as first in my life. You're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, I, that's me. And I, I'm just going to raise my hand and, and just give my, my heart renewed to God today and say, God, I need you to be my focus. My, I'm zooming in today. I want to capture an image, a closeness with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and that's you, you say, that's me, Pastor. You just raise your hand. I'm just going to pray over you. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? You say, Pastor, I just needed my life to get focused on Christ. Zoomed in on Him. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah, Lord God been worried about too many other things. Hallelujah, Lord God. Jesus. God, be our focus. Be, our, be, be, be narrowed in our image, oh God. God, pray our, our, our eyes no longer looking to the right to the left, but looking at you. Jesus. I pray for those today that raise their, hand, raise their hands, oh God. Lord, that they would capture a revelation of who you are, God, and what you've done for them. And for those who just raised their hand, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to challenge you. You've got to spend some alone time with Jesus in the next few moments and this week and even in the coming months that you are just going to have that time with Jesus to be in His Word, be in prayer, and that you're going to say, God, I need to see you. God, I want to know you. You're going to read about His promises. You're going to read about His salvation that He's given to you. You just need to get focused on Him. I pray you do that in the next few weeks and days and months. And secondly, number two, you're here and you say, Pastor Heath, there are things in my life that God's been trying to crop out. I feel like I've been distant from God. I feel like I haven't been able to get close to Him. And I recognize there are things in my life, personalities, attitudes, maybe it's behaviors, maybe it's been words, things in your life. You, 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 you love Him, you, you know Him, but you just want to get closer. But there's some things that are preventing you from getting closer. And that's, that's the things God's trying to crop out. And you've been, maybe you've been trying to do it by religion this morning. You've been trying your very best to stop doing something, but you can't. You keep falling on your face, uh, and, and you don't know why. You've been trying and trying and trying to be more holy, but you can't be. And you're here today, and you say, that's me, Pastor Heath. I, I need prayer for that issue. I need prayer for that. You just raise your hands. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah, Lord God. Anybody else? I'm going to pray for you today. And the answer is this. Same thing as number one is that instead of focusing on trying to quit, focusing on the one who can help you. It's not trying to do it by your own efforts, but allowing the Holy Spirit to just come into the fullness of your heart and let His power come inside of you. And I'm going to pray over you today. God, I pray for those that raise their hands that have been trying to cancel out.